Hello everyone and welcome to the Progress Talks. I'm your host Nora Rummery and this is the very first episode. This podcast that you are listening to is for my personal project, which is a year-long capstone project that signals the end of the middle years program in the world of IB schooling. You can do the project about anything, as long as it interests you. I'm really interested in movies, TV shows, and how women are represented in it. So that's what I went with. I also love listening to podcasts, so I decided why not combine the two. What this podcast really focuses on is how women's representation has changed over time, and how what was happening politically and culturally changed it. For today's episode, I will be setting up what modern representation in film and TV looks like to give a reference for how things have changed. So let's get started. Research done by the San Diego State University shows that in 2015 through 2016, there were 250 films that were made and eligible for awards in the United States. But out of that 250, 96% had no women cinematographers. 92% had no women directors. 79% had no women editors, 77% had no women writers, and 58% had no women executive producers. And it's not like there's any lack of women who wanted to do this kind of work. Data from many of the prominent film schools in the USA shows that the percentage of women graduating is equal to the percentage of men graduating. Then, in 2019, there was a record number of women who were eligible to be nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. Roughly 10.6 of all directors were women that year, a big difference from 2018, where only 4.5% of them were. And then the 2019 Golden Globes happened, and no women were nominated. Then the Oscars came, and once again, no women were nominated. Well, let's take a guess about how many women have been nominated for Best Director in the about 90 years that the Oscars have been around. Is the answer 10? 30? 20? 5? The answer is 5. There have only been 5 women ever nominated for Best Director, the latest being Greta Gerwig for her movie Lady Bird. Out of those 5, only one has actually won the Oscar, Catherine Bigelow, for her film The Hurt Locker in 2010. And you may be asking Nora, why is this important to how women were represented in media? This is just behind the scenes, and it doesn't really matter if anyone wins an award because it's not a true testament to how good the movies are. Well, the thing is, it actually does matter. Who is behind the camera, who is writing the scripts, who is telling the stories, actually has a huge impact on how women are represented. And how women are represented in media has a huge impact on how we are treated and viewed in society. This is because film, and media in general, is inherently powerful especially now living in a time where screens are a part of our everyday lives and streaming services make movies and TV shows available to a bigger audience than ever. For example, does the phrase we're all in this together ring a bell? How about Bears beats Battlestar Galactica? Or how about E.T. phone home? Chances are you could probably think about what I was referencing there, and that's just a few examples that show the broad cultural impact that movies and TV shows have. Media is a way for us as humans to understand the world. We relate to characters who can teach us about ourselves. We learn how to interact with one another, especially how to interact with people who are different from us, whether that's by race, socioeconomic status, gender identity, or any of the above. We see glimpses of the past and hopes of the future. 
Now, if a group of people were constantly represented in a certain way, with a certain stereotype or trope, that is what people will remember. But how do we subvert these stereotypes, and how can we tell if a piece of media is representing women or any marginalized group in a way that is not harmful? Well, one way is to have women in the room telling our own stories. Not to say that men can't write well-formed women, but it's harder to write about something that you have not experienced, or at least it's hard to write about it in an authentic way. There is also a tool called the Bechtel Test, popularized by cartoonist Alison Bechtel. It's a system to measure women's representation in any piece of fiction. To pass the Bechtel test, a piece of media must A, have at least two female characters, who B, talk to each other about C, something other than a man. This may seem like an easy test to pass, but many movies, even big-budget mainstream Hollywood ones, do not in fact pass it. Here, I'll read off some movie names and you can guess whether or not they pass the Bechtel test. Number one. The 2013 Avengers movie. The answer is no, it does not. There are three prominent female characters, but they never talk to each other. Number two, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Drum roll. No, it does not. Once again, none of the women in the film actually have a conversation with each other. Maybe a line or two of dialogue, but no real conversation is had, therefore it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. And finally, Shrek 2. The answer is yes, Shrek 2 does pass the Bechdel test. The first one does not, however. Now, while this can measure women's representation to an extent, a movie can still pass the Bechdel test and yet still be full of sexist content, so it's more of a jumping-off point. While there aren't really any other popular tests to run a movie through, there are a number of ways for you to gauge whether or not a piece of media does women's representation well. Number one is to see what percentage of the production team are women. Chances are, if there are significantly less women behind the screen, the movie will not represent women well on screen. Next is whether or not the female characters exist purely for the use of the male main character. If a woman is only there because the man wouldn't start his journey without a good old heartbreak or a tragic death, it's not good representation. This is where the term male gaze comes from. The way in which women are in a movie simply to be objectified or sexualized through the lens of a straight man. Another reason why it's important to have women writing and directing. Along with this idea of the male gaze comes most stereotypical tropes about women. For example, the manic pixie dream girl, a quirky, bubbly character who is a muse or inspiration for the male protagonist with no real substance to her character. For example, think any John Green novel or any Zoe Deschanel characters. Or the single career-obsessed woman who is cold-hearted and sometimes a jerk for no real reason. Think Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. Keep these factors in mind next time you watch your favorite movie or TV show and see if it changes how you watch or think about it. See how many women are on the production team and see how that affects how women are represented in it. Now that we've covered some problems with women's representation in media, Let's talk about women's representation in modern-day U.S. politics. To be frank, it's not much better. And I would first like to recognize that just because a woman is in a seat of power, it does not necessarily mean that it's a good thing, especially when they are working to oppress other marginalized groups or working against progress. But when there are pieces of legislation that directly affect women, 
whether that be reproductive rights, equal pay, equal protection in the workplace, or anything along those lines, it is important to have women in the room that makes these decisions. The most recent data shows that women only make up 24% of the Senate, 27% of the House of Representatives, and 31% of state legislative seats, despite making up 51% of the U.S. population. Could this disparity of women in government be because of the lack of good representation in media that shows women being successful and happy at the same time? And has it always been like this? That's what this podcast is all about, so join me next time as we discuss representation in media way back in the early 20th century during the golden age of Hollywood. Once again, this is Nora Rumry, and thank you for your support of the Progress Talks.